Jesus. You can be seated tonight in Jesus' name. I thank you for being here tonight. It's just incredible when God is moving like this and working, and it becomes very difficult to step behind the platform because uh, sometimes you, you feel that you just want to let God go for a few hours in Jesus' name. Tonight's one of those nights that I think we could have just stayed in prayer for, for a long while. It was just good. It was just uh, God was doing some good things in Jesus' name. So I thank you for being here, participating with us tonight in Jesus' name. And uh, we're going to conclude our series tonight that we have been speaking about. And uh, I just believe that God is going to do some more things, uh, teach us some uh, incredible traits that we can continue to live for in Jesus' name. And I don't know about you all, but I have been blessed by these lessons and have been taught so much inside of my life. And uh, there's a lot that I just can keep working on every day, uh, just taking those steps, keep moving forward. And I encourage you all to do the same. Just keep taking those daily steps of Jesus, and he will absolutely lead you into those incredible places in Jesus' name. And so um, one announcement I do want to make, uh, we just want to encourage everybody um, that because of COVID, that if you are here and uh, um, after service, if you'd like to fellowship, please uh, go outside uh, unless you are doing some activities in the church. There are people that do have to stay here to clean some things and that sort of stuff in the church, so they're not trying to defy what we're saying. But what we do ask is that you either leave the church or if you stay here, um, please wear a mask if you are hanging out around people. Uh, we just don't want to have something that comes through and sweeps through our church to where it, it knocks our entire church out, and uh, then, then it would just be back to the online services. And I love having in-person services in Jesus' name, so I just don't want to get to that point where we're at that again. So just a reminder, um, I encourage you, please encourage other people, say, hey, let's go outside and have this conversation. Pastor Carnahan and I are still available, uh, Sister Carnahan as well. If you need to have a conversation with us, just let us know and we can uh, go to the office or something like that. You can certainly stick around. So don't feel that we're saying, don't talk to us. We want you to leave. We want to get rid of you. Uh, that is not what we are saying by any means. We just want people to be safe. And uh, again, if you're praying for somebody, we encourage the mask as well. In Jesus' name. So um, that's also for those people. There are some that have um, expressed fear in coming out into the community. And so we want people to still feel able to come here to participate uh, in the kingdom of God uh, with those things in Jesus' name. So tonight we are going to be speaking about the last of this scripture in Micah that we have been reading about. And tonight we're going to be talking about walking humbly. Does anybody remember the two traits prior to this? Can anybody call those out? Love mercy, that's one of them. And do justly, yes, amen. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. It's traits that, again, if we begin to put these inside of our lives, they will absolutely begin to take us huge steps in the kingdom of God. And it will cause you to be able to relate with God on a level that you never have before. I know when I started to, to do these things, and I don't have these down pat, and I hope you don't think that I'm saying that through these lessons by any means, but, but even just taking one small step into these things, I began to see traits inside of God that I had never seen before. And it began to experience why he does certain things a certain way, because I began to understand that God wants to be a just God, that he is a merciful God and that he also wants to demonstrate humility in so many different ways and so we see that because of Jesus Christ who was here walking around in this world he demonstrated that to us as he was alive and well here God in the flesh amongst us and what a better character to look at for that trait and so tonight we're going to be speaking about walking humbly before I dive into our scripture though I want to read this little bit of background so it kind of begins to to make sense and we're going to be looking at Luke uh, chapter 14 
But it says this, that Luke 14 reports that Jesus was invited to a meal at the home of a leading Pharisee. Such a supper, modeled after a Roman banquet, often lasted for hours. Such meals were quite a social event. There was no assigned seating, and each arriving guest chose a seat. Sitting near the host was considered significant because it gained attention. Having accepted the invitation, Jesus watched what he saw with self-exaltation uh, on display. The pride, self-interest, and ambition of the Pharisees showed as they chose seats near the host. Sitting near the host did not add any real value. It was a petty uh, distinction, but other people would most certainly notice where you were sitting at. Jesus watched as this meal progressed in this chapter. The host also had an agenda. Wanting it known that important people had attended his supper, the host would begin to rearrange the seating to bring important people up to sit near him. And if the host saw that someone important sitting in a low seat, he would have a servant ask the guest to move closer to the host. Sometimes there was a complication. Someone already occupied the higher seat. The person who was sitting in that high seat had made a self-assessment. He felt that he was important and deserved the lofty place. But the host, as a master of the feast, was the one who would determine which guests were more important. A servant was then sent to speak to whoever now sat in the higher seat. The message was, move. There is someone else that the master of the feast wants sitting in your place. As others watched, the guests who had been told to move would stand and walk down. It was humiliating, and he had overestimated his significance. Now all that remained were the lowest seats. His arrogant self-assessment did not match the value placed on him by the master of the feast. Pretty interesting when you begin to look at this and how these things began to work. But Jesus used this inside of the scripture here. And so I'll actually show you this now. But in Luke chapter 14 and verse 11, it says, For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. I think there might be a second slide with this on here. It says, uh, to be humble is, I guess there isn't, but to be humble is important, but often misunderstood. So in Jesus' time during this, this scripture here, when he is speaking this about humbling ourselves, that if we are, we are not careful, we will choose and put ourselves in the place that we really have no place to be at. We are not meant to, sometimes when we as human beings begin to pick or think who we are or how significant we are, we will esteem ourselves higher than we actually should. And as a result, we tend to get knocked down a few rungs. And if you're human like me, you understand that that has happened probably once or twice inside of your life, that you, 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 you know, sometimes get that pride rolling and you think, man, I, I can sit here. I deserve to be in this place. But then the, the pride quickly gets taken when you get knocked down a few rungs inside of that. And so tonight, this is the scripture we're looking at. We're, we're going to speak about this and kind of see what it means to be humble, to walk humbly with God, which is an important thing inside of this scripture. Now, this word, as it says on, on the, the chart here, is often misunderstood because it's a word that sometimes we think means uh, various things, that somebody needs to go sit in the corner and cry until somebody comes and tells them that they're being humble and pulls them out of that, that corner. Some people believe that that's humble. Some people, uh, I mean, there's a 
wide variety of being humble, but we want to look at what a biblical definition of being humble is tonight, and so that way we can be humble in our walk with Jesus Christ. And I guarantee that if you listen to this tonight, this works. It's proven, and I have seen it inside of my life, that if we are humbling ourselves, then absolutely, as that scripture says, God will make you great in certain areas in Jesus' name inside of his kingdom. It may not be people around you coming to you and bringing you gold and saying, man, you're the coolest person ever, but at least in God's kingdom, you can draw closer to him and know him better in Jesus' name. So let's look at what humility is. Uh, is not. And, and this will kind of help us to define what humility is. Oh, I am skipping ahead like crazy here. Back up. There we go. Humility is not minimizing our abilities. Humility is not minimizing our abilities. We are not prideful if we feel good about good work that we do. That, that, that is not, that, that, that's a, a common misunderstood thing here. That some people think, man, if, if I do a good job for Jesus and I feel good about that good job that I just did, then I, I'm being prideful and I need to be humbled and that sort of thing. No, absolutely not. Now, like everything that we're going to talk about here tonight, a lot of these things have a very basic level and we as human beings can begin to take them to an extreme. And when we take them to that extreme, then yes, it does begin to become pride and it does be begin to become an issue. But for, for the most part, if we do a good job on something and we work hard to, to do something well and it looks good in the end, it's, there's nothing wrong with being happy about the good job that you did. Jesus gave us that example that we are to walk about as Christians in this world. And walking about as Christians means that we are going to do our best and put our effort into the things that we do so that other people around him, us can see him inside of us. So we don't want to just go around and not do the jobs that are asked of us because then everybody's going to say, man, I don't want to be a Christian because, I mean, man, he just doesn't do anything all the time and does a horrible job and that sort of stuff. No, that's not what it means. We have young people that are very creative in graphic design and they should be able to do some incredible things with that. We have people who can design websites, people who can sing, people who can worship, people on all aspects across the board. And we should not feel bad about putting in effort to do a good job inside of those things. We should not feel bad about saying, man, I want to be in prayer for an hour every day, or I want to be in prayer for, for this amount of time. Those are not bad things to dedicate yourself to. Where it becomes an issue is when, again, we begin to extend beyond that of, hey, Brother Carlos, man, I prayed an hour this morning and you should, uh, you should give me a pat on the back for that, you know, that sort of thing. That, that's where it's beginning to go a little bit across that line. Now, you know, I'm not saying that anybody in here is like that, but that's what, what helps us. So here's some ways that you can help check this inside of your own life. You can ask yourself the, these following sentences or complete these following sentences. First of all, complete this sentence. I am good at blank. I am good at blank. So what, what are you good at? What, what do you feel that you have a natural trait that maybe God has given to you? What do you feel that, that God has allowed you to become great at? What, what, what are you good at inside of your own opinion? Now, the second one sometimes can be the hard one. And this, for somebody who is not humble, is the, the one that can become the issue. But fill in this blank. I am bad at blank. I am bad at, not good at. Probably shouldn't be doing that, that sort of thing. I know for me, I mean, man, I wash clothes and they change colors. I can be bad at that sometimes. 
maybe isn't the best job. I mean, I, I don't like it anyway, so somebody else can do it. Jesus' name. I, I do wash my own clothes. But, but it's just an example uh, of some of those things. So sometimes we just have to say, man, I've tried it, I've worked at it, and it just isn't my thing. It just isn't where God wants me to be. And it's okay to say that there are some things inside of our lives that just aren't where we are meant to be. There's things that you all enjoy that I don't enjoy, and vice versa. And as a result, that's why God has created the body of the church, as Scripture says, this body that can come together and begin to move certain places and do certain things so that not one part of the body gets the glory, but the whole body together, which is Jesus Christ, we begin to give him the glory for the work that we do as a church together, walking side by side. So these are great things to begin to, to think about, to pray about, and say, God, what am I good at, and what do I feel I can excel at in your kingdom, and what am I bad at? I think Pastor Carnahan spoke uh, recently on this, but uh, about, you know, some people, they, they just don't desire to, to be on a platform and preach, and that is perfectly fine. Some people do not, this isn't their calling, but that same person might be great at teaching Bible studies, and so maybe it's their thing that they just teach Bible studies, and they just want to bring people to church over and over again through Bible studies and that sort of thing. If that's where they are good at, then yes, invest your heart, invest your life into that. Feel good about doing good inside of that circumstance and not just studying a couple minutes before that Bible study, but investing in it and saying, man, I want to teach the things that are true and real to these people that are here. So we can begin to differentiate this in our lives. And so this says here that proud people, they will pretend to be good at everything. And that's why that second question can be so hard. Because proud people will pretend to be good at everything. So if you're sitting here today and you say, man, I'm good at everything. I'm not bad at anything. Then maybe, maybe tonight is a checkup a little bit to say, well, are you walking humbly in the kingdom of God? Are you walking humbly with what God has given to you? Being humble is not downplaying our success and focusing on our failure and, and saying that I want to be humble, so I'm going to focus on my failures and just say I'm a mess up and all these sort of things. That is not what humility is described as inside of this scripture. So let me ask you all the question, what do you think? How would you describe what it means to be humble? What, what do you think it means to be humble in Jesus' name? Yes, brother. Somebody that knows they're not perfect. In Jesus' name. Somebody else. Yes, sister. Honesty? Yes, absolutely. Being honest with yourself, honest with God. Yeah, that's great. Amen. Yes, being faithful in the things of God. I like that. Anybody else? What, what it means to, to be humble? Yes. Not proud. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, you all are exactly right. I think we, we can formulate a picture of this inside of our heads of what, what, what humility uh, begins to mean and, and what it, it means to walk humbly. So let's look at some more of these things of what humility is not. It is not being unable to accept a compliment, unable to accept a compliment. I think we have all heard somebody say this phrase when we speak something to them, and they say, oh, you are just saying that. 
And, and they're, they're basically, and if you have said this, uh, don't, I'm not try, here to blast you or anything tonight, but sometimes people say this comment out of means of trying to dig more of a compliment out of what is truly there. And I think if we're honest as human beings, we've seen it before, maybe we've used it before, but, but we're basically saying, man, I appreciate the compliment, but, but give me some more because I, I just need to see a little bit more inside of this thing here. That, that is not walking humbly inside of this. However, we should be able to accept compliments that, that, uh, of the traits and the things that God has given to us. This says that modesty is proudly, or sorry, false modesty. That this is a phrase that you can begin to, to pray against. But false modesty, it's proudly showing others how humble, humble we are. False modesty, proudly showing others how humble we truly are. That we want people to know that we are absolutely humble. So we're going to show them how humble we are. But that's the exact opposite of humility. It's pride that's beginning to come up inside of us to say, man, everybody's going to begin to love me because of how humble and how much humility I have inside of my life. And so I love this, that the response that our pastor has given so often that, that, man, when somebody compliments you, just say, God is good. Begin to turn that around and say, you know what? I appreciate the compliment, but God has given me everything that I possibly am. And so I'm going to say that God has given me the ability to do everything that I do inside of my life. And so thank you for the compliment, but God, he is good. He is the one who has poured this inside of my life. It's an easy way to accept a compliment inside of some of these things. But we have mistaken sometimes and said that it's that, that, that if you are accepting compliments, then you're not humble and, and you're prideful and you need to, to resist this. No, that's not what this is. And so this response, it's, it's just something that we need to look at with Jesus. Humility is also not low self-esteem. It's not low self-esteem. It's not, like I said earlier, putting yourself in the corner and crying until somebody comes over and tells you that you are a good person. Now, I, I understand that we will all have low moments inside of our lives, so please don't mistake these two but between these two different things. I'm talking about somebody who desires to have that every minute of their life because they feel that that, that is what humble is meant to be. That, that is not true, and the reason I can say that is because God wants us to have joy and peace inside of our lives. He wants us to reach people, and he wants us to come into an atmosphere like this and begin to praise and worship and glorify his name and be able to get excited excited about that. And if we are so backed into a corner that we're mopey and everything like that, then we completely skip over giving that praise and that glory to God inside of that circumstance. So if God is asking us to be humble, he's not going to contradict his word and tell you to do two different things. But what God is saying, man, come in here and give me all of the praise and the glory and everything there. But don't expect to get uh, recommendations and that sort of thing from the people around you or to get, uh, you know, the, the, them saying, man, you're, uh, you know, don't, don't expect the compliment and that sort of thing from it. But just realize that our esteem comes from God. And as he begins to build that up inside of us, then we can become humble before him. Christ's redemptive work established every single one of our worth here today. Christ's redemptive work was so powerful saying that every single one of us can come into a 21st century apostolic church and feel the presence of God and be able to reach out and touch him. That redemptive work was there for that. And if we are going to say, man, that, that we can't worship like we do and we can't praise God like we do because we got to be humble, then we're completely passing over the redemptive work that Jesus did many, many years ago for every single one of us. 
So to realize that, that humility is not beginning to, to mope around so everybody can see us like that, but to give glory to God, it begins to put a different perspective on what this truly means. We must envision better futures, not only for us, our church, our family, and it is okay to do that and say, God, I envision our church growing by 100 people. God, I envision Bible studies being taught every single night. God, I envision just like last Sunday night that every Sunday night we can have a baptism and somebody filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We can begin to envision those things, and it is not prideful to begin to say, man, I believe that God can do this inside of my life, and I believe that God can do it in my family and in my workplace and in the people around me. It's okay to speak those things. And so it is not low self-esteem because if it is low self-esteem, then we can't speak those things. We can't do those things. We can't be passionate about what we believe. And that is not what we see in the New Testament or inside of any of the scriptures in Jesus' name. So humility is not these things. Christian living, it does not require poverty of mind, poverty of your spirit, and poverty of your body. It doesn't require you to be completely depleted in, in every one of these areas of, of, of where you, you don't have anything filling you up. But God is meant to fill those areas and charge you up and say, man, I can do this. I can reach the convenience store clerk. I can speak to somebody around me. I can help somebody who's depressed today. I can help somebody in these situations. And it is through God that we can do this. This book, somebody said, this, said it this way, that true humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. Not saying, man, I, I am so good at everything that I do that I might as well just step around everybody else and begin to do it myself. That's not what humility is. But humility is saying, man, somebody else might be able to do this task and I'll work on this other one and we'll come together as the body of Christ to see things happen in Jesus' name. So pride, self-interest, self-promotion, these are all things that cause us to want attention. And if we are honest again in this place here, we're all humans, and these are all things that have been inside of our flesh, and they're all things that are there that, 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 that say, man, I want, I want a portion of this pride. I want a portion of these things that are around us inside of this world. But the unfortunate thing is this as well, that proud people will bruise easily. And I think if, if you think about this, if you think about yourself, if you think about others around you, the, the, the proud person around you, that they, they are people who bruise very easily because they feel so good about everything, uh, being able to do everything, that when one thing goes down and, and completely crashes, it, it turns and crashes their entire world and bruises that, that whole thing. And it's an unfortunate thing. And, and if, if anything, we don't want to live that way. We don't want to live in a circumstance, in a state, where, man, just something little goes wrong and it completely destroys our entire worlds. But man, I want to be able to have the strength of God's spirit inside of me that if there's a little skin on my knee, you know what? I messed that up. I'm sorry, God. I apologize. But I'm going to say, God, you can begin to take me on. You can take me to the next level. It's okay to begin to laugh at yourself and say, man, I completely messed that up. Earlier today, there was a man inside of a patrol car that pulled up to a red stoplight. 
And at this stoplight, the cars across the road, this, this officer was waiting to make a left-hand turn, and the cars across the road started coming and made left-hand turns. So the lane looked open to this officer, so he's like, I'm going to go. So he starts to go and then realizes that there, it's a red light still. So he goes out into the middle of the intersection and pulls through, and somebody honks at him and gets really mad because he went through the intersection on a red light. Well, you're looking at him. I did that today. But it's something that, that truly, I, I just, I looked at the guy beside me and I laughed and I said, should I turn the lights on and drive down a few blocks and that sort of thing and then disappear? <laughs> That's what I asked him. But it was embarrassing. It absolutely was. I, I, I didn't even think we were talking about just random stuff and I just didn't even see the light there. Honest mistake inside of it. You know, sometimes we get so caught up in being serious about ourselves and serious about who we are in these things here that that we just forget that, man, to walk humbly, we just got to laugh at ourselves sometimes and say, man, I'm a human. I'm going to mess up, but God's going to be right there beside me. And I can laugh with God and he has humor as well. And, and he, I think he laughs at us sometimes and just says, man, you, you really messed that one up. And we can turn around and say, God, I, I did today. I, I guarantee it as well. But we must be willing to say, I don't want to get into that self-esteem state where I'm just so low, where I'm just in this place where everything bruises me so easily. George L. Glass Sr., he said it this way, that you take a low road to a high place. You take a low road to a high place that you start out on the bottom and just begin to take the steps forward and eventually it can take you to that high place. So this next point here says this. It says, beyond watching. It's kind of getting into this parable here that Jesus was speaking. And in Luke 14 and 10, it says this. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade these cometh, he may say unto these, friend, go up higher, then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. This is the scripture that comes directly before the scripture that we had read just a little while earlier. Jesus taught us that presuming our importance is a mistake regardless of how we see ourselves. That presuming our, our importance, that thinking, man, you know, I've been around the block, I've done these things so many times that, that I deserve to be able to sit at this particular place. Jesus was teaching us that we are not to begin to say that I'm so important, I can go and do, uh, you know, particular things in this. He's beginning to show these people, if you remember the story at the beginning of this, that that, that person that walks into that room and walks straight to the front and tries to sit as close as he can to that master of the feast, may be absolutely humiliated when he is asked to sit on the back row because there is somebody else more important of him that is meant to take that seat. But Jesus is saying here, it's better to walk in and take the lowest seat in the back. And if you take that lowest seat in the back, then there's chances you might get moved up by that master of that feast. But you're not in a place where your pride has begun to grow so big that God's going to come in and humiliate and, and, and begin to show you what humble, being humble truly is. This can truly be one of the most difficult prayers to pray because if we pray, God, humble me, 
then he is going to humble us, and we probably aren't going to like how he is going to humble us in some circumstances, for sure. Especially if there is pride inside of us, because, man, pride will begin to put its claws down inside of us and say, I don't want to leave. And so when we begin to realize that, man, there's some pride in me that needs to go, and we begin to say, God, help me to get that out of my life, it begins to dig in deeper and really likes to put its claws inside of there and create a lot of excuses inside of our lives. So we must be careful with how big we sometimes can begin to, to speak about ourselves or begin to think about ourselves or who we are. And remember that everything that we are, everything that we have comes from one person, from one God that is up above us. And as a result of him giving those things to us, we have made it to the places that we are at. But if he decides to give and take away, just like Job, if he decides to put some things into our life, then let's accept it with joy. But if he decides that he's going to take some things back out, let's not say, well, God, that made me who I am. And so you should keep those things inside of my life. But let's say, God, you make me who I am. It's not the possessions, the, the, the ability to speak that you give to me. It's not the, the amount of time. That, that other people see. that It's none of these things, but it is you, God, that makes me who I am. Amen. So Jesus is speaking this scripture of giving them an idea about where they need to be, what, what, how they need to treat humility, and what it means to walk humbly. And Luke 14 and 11, again, goes on to say this, that whosoever exalts himself, he's going to be abased. He's going to be moved back inside of that room. And he that humbles himself, he's going to be exalted. That if he's on the back row and there is something that's important about him, then very much so, that person will likely be brought to the front. Now, I just want to read you a few points here just to, because I, I think that these are important. I think they speak some good things. But many lessons can be gleaned from this parable. People who overestimate their importance put themselves at a risk of being humiliated. Promotion will come to the humble. Humility is a personal choice, and we choose either to be arrogant or to be humble. How the master sees us is far more important than how we see ourselves. Jesus' use of the phrase shall be indicates a passage of time. The humbling of a proud person may not come quickly, but it will come. And likewise, a humble person's elevation may not happen quickly, but it will happen. Self-promotion seems to be the norm in a lot of these circumstances. Some points that you can begin to see what Jesus was speaking about in this parable. And I wish I had time tonight to get into every single one of these, but I think you understand the point of what Jesus is speaking here, what he is beginning to show, that there are some issues when we begin to say, man, I deserve to be in certain points around us. We can see it with Jesus and his disciples where they, they desired to be prideful at certain circumstances of saying, God, well, who among us is the best? Who's going to sit on your right hand? And I mean, just the many questions that they gave to Jesus and they were asking him because they thought that they deserved to have that seat beside him but Jesus again bringing this scripture out prior to some of these times and saying man you know what the person who sits at the front is going to be humiliated but the person who decides to be humble they will be exalted in due time it can be encouraging for us in Jesus name so let me ask you another question how have you seen people promote themselves in an attempt to gain attention how have you seen people try to promote themselves in, in attempts to, to gain attention? Politics. Yes, there's election in November. Yeah, I think we can see that. Yeah, amen. 
Somebody else. Facebook, yes. Social media, absolutely. Man, it can get wild on there sometimes. Absolutely. Anybody else have a promotion of how somebody promotes themselves? I think we can probably think of some things even in our, our personal lives that, man, you know, we got rid of at certain times. But uh, if we're honest, we've seen it around us. We've seen people in our, our workplaces that, man, they want that position and they will do anything to get that position, including let themselves look like a complete fool so that they can get that position. And it's sad and, and it's terrible because you sit there and you think, man, that person is going to be miserable inside of that state. But they don't understand it and they don't realize it. And it's the grip that pride can have inside of somebody's life of, of showing them false promises that they can have, making them think that, man, I am so good at all of this that I deserve that position or that place or that thing inside of my life. And as a result, it begins to crumble and hurt them more than ever. So we need to pray for, for people like that. We need to pray for ourselves in Jesus' name and believe that God can absolutely expose those things inside of our hearts in Jesus' name. I actually just think, I just felt a pause, and I think it would just be good if we just lift our hands for a second here and just ask God to examine ourselves tonight in Jesus' name. God, we, we believe that here in this place, God, Lord, that if there is anything inside of our lives, Lord, where we have not walked humbly, I believe that you will reveal it to us tonight, God, in a very merciful and graceful way, Jesus, that we can trust that you have shown us this, God, so that we can work on these things to walk humbly before you and and before your word, and before your name. And Jesus, I thank you for that in this place tonight. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. We believe it tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, God. He's a good God. So we must not think that manipulation, ingenuity, and aggressiveness for personal gain are pleasing to God because they just are not. He does not like those things. He is not pleased with them. And, and that's not where we need to go in order to get somewhere in the kingdom of God. This goes on in Psalm 75, 6 through 7. It says this, For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one, and he sets up another. It's a scripture that's very challenging to every single one of us because when we begin to think about it, man, if we begin to allow ourselves to be so inflated, we maybe become the one that God puts down and, and begins to put up another one. If you have ever read the scripture or read about God, you will understand that there is no politics inside of the way that God does things. He absolutely leads with his spirit, and there is absolutely a way that he, he, is, he is fair to everybody, but absolutely he's not going to begin to, to try to play a political game with somebody to keep them in a position. But if that person wants to just begin to, to allow themselves to, to feel that they're what is causing things to work, then absolutely it's a risk that they could be put down. It's a challenge and it's something that we must be careful about inside of this world. So it says this, and I, I hurry on because there's, there's a lot here tonight, but it says this, that true humility, it operates counter-culturally, that, that it's opposite of what I, our culture begins to say. Our culture has ribbons, badges, 
all sorts of things for all sorts of different promotions. And, and I, I don't think that all of that stuff is necessarily wrong. However, our culture has truly gotten to a place where you have to pat every single person on the back. And if you are not being pat on the back, then you don't feel good. And, and all of a sudden, things begin to crumble inside of your life and all, all that sort of stuff. But what happened to just doing a good job to say, man, I am doing it unto Jesus. And even if nobody around me recognizes it, I am going to give God the glory and the work that I have done here because I am going to put my full effort into this in Jesus' name. An easy way that I can tell you to begin to give God the glory for the things that he is doing in your life and not let pride begin to get out of control is I like to write inside of a journal. And I like to write things down that I want to tell God and say, God, you did this incredible thing inside of my life. You used me to reach this person somehow today. You used me to speak to this person in, in, in a particular way. And I write it inside of that journal and nobody has access to it. There's a password that's on it that nobody can even get into that. And it's between me and God so I can say, God, I want to say thank you for pouring into my life inside of the circumstance. It's something that you can begin to, to take hold here. But it's counterculturally to, to what people around me have, have spoken and said that, man, you need to, to begin to let some things go. And so in Christ's day, this banquet host could expect a return invitation from his guests that this master of feasts would invite these people because he knew that if he invited them, he would likely get invitations from these people who were high and noble. And as a result, he would get to attend feasts that, that he may never be able to attend otherwise. So he would invite important people because it meant that he was going to get a ticket into their dinner as well. You begin to see the conflict inside of some of this here. And in Luke 14 and 13, continuing down with the scripture here, Jesus completely flipped this around and said something completely counter-culture to what the, these people were doing. Their culture said, invite the, the noble, the high people, and that way you can get invited into their houses. But Jesus, he said, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. Completely opposite of what these people were doing in these circumstances here. These suppers had two types of measurement. Where someone sat was going to be evaluated. And the second thing that would be evaluated was the people who attended were also going to be evaluated. A Pharisee who would ultimately do what Jesus told them to do of inviting the lame, the blind, the, the, the maimed, inviting these people would know that they would never get an invitation to the high person inside of their community, to, the, to their house. The person who did what Jesus told them to do in this circumstance knew that they were not going to get the self-fulfillment that they might get of having this dinner and inviting the important people that they thought should be there. Jesus was turning this whole circumstance on its head. He was absolutely showing that this is super counterculture to the things around us. And you all, I think you know this better than, than anyone. You walk into your workplaces. You see the people who do nasty things to get promotions. You see the people who try to be accepted so they will have their cliques and their groups and the things that they do. And they will only invite particular people. And sometimes when you stand as a Christian, they will begin to leave you on the outside and say, man, you are not meant to be a part of this group because you're not going to begin to have a ticket that will invite me over to your house and begin to show these same things as well. I know I'm talking physically and spiritually kind of back and forth inside of this, the, this metaphor here, but 
But it's something that we have to consider that when we walk into these places and we are truly humble, that it means we may never get that invitation to the big dinner. That it means we may never get that big promotion or that badge or that pin or the, the slap on the back that we have desired our entire lives. It means that we may not get that inside of our community or the places around us. It means that those things may not happen. But we have Jesus. And we must not worry about any of those things because those are all man-made, created around us in Jesus' name. In Jesus, when you go home, I know I have been speaking about laying your head peacefully on your bed at night, knowing that you did justly, that you loved mercy. Well, this is another one of those that if you walked humbly throughout the day, and even though you didn't get the invitation, I guarantee Jesus is going to be right there when you lay your head on that pillow at night and you can rest peacefully and say, God, I thank you for allowing me to do good today, for allowing me to be humble in that situation. And you will have the best night's sleep in some of those circumstances in Jesus' name. I know that's flesh, but your spirit will just be overjoyed and welling. And when your spirit is in a good place with God, then absolutely you sleep well in some particular areas in Jesus' name. The other part of this that Jesus was beginning to show is that no one chooses to be maimed, lame, or blind. And the poor often have no choice of this matter either. Some say in the Western world that anyone can succeed. You just pull up yourself by your bootstraps. And, and that's a comment out here in Wyoming. But unfortunately, some have no bootstraps by which to pull themselves up in some of these circumstances. So I'm just going to ask this question. I don't have time for responses on this one tonight. But why do you think it is pleasing to the Lord for us to honor others above ourselves? Something you can write inside of your book and think about it. But why is it pleasing for us to honor um, uh, others uh, above ourselves. So this point here says this, that those who walk humbly before the Lord, they reach beyond their comfort zone. Those who walk humbly before the Lord reach beyond their comfort zone. We can probably tell many stories, and, and I think if we think back to the time where maybe somebody in our world was that lame person, that blind person. Maybe it wasn't that extreme, but just the person that sat alone at a lunch table or alone in a grocery store. And you reached out to them and said something to them and it just brought a smile to their face. And you, you went on with your day. Just that smile alone and the great feeling that you get inside of saying, man, I could have changed that person's day completely around because of what God has done through me to that person there. It's so much greater than walking up to somebody who may be the mayor and saying, oh, you know, and shaking their hand and saying, man, I appreciate you and all that you do and that sort of thing. I mean, that, it's good and, you know, it's cool to meet the president and all that sort of stuff. But really, when you walk away from that, do you still have that same feeling of saying, man, I reached that person that everybody else has pushed away, that nobody wants to touch, that nobody wants to speak to you? Jesus over and over and over again taught us that if we walk humbly, we are going to see those that other people miss, those who need to be spoken to, those who need that encouragement in Jesus' name. And man, it is such an incredible feeling in the Spirit and the Holy Ghost when you say, man, God, you are working in people's lives no matter who they are, what they have wrong with them, no matter, God can work through those situations in Jesus' name. So Jesus, with this, he did not say to his audience, give these unfortunates the leftovers from your grand supper and put them out there. 
But Jesus said, when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. Invite all of these that are messed up, all of these that humanity has said are messed up, all of these who have not been able to choose the circumstance that they are inside, but invite them instead of these wealthy people that are around you. Humble people do not treat the less fortunate any different than they treat their friends who are wealthy and well. But ultimately, the maimed, lame, blind, and poor would not come to such a supper competing for a high seat. Think about this. These people who were invited would likely walk in the doors and say, man, there's no way I could ever get to the front of the room, but I'm going to sit in the back because this, I'm just overjoyed to even be here. I just feel the Holy Ghost right now. If you are get what I am saying, we are those lame, the blind, the maimed in those places. We have no thing inside of our lives that says we deserve to be inside of this place. So to walk in here and say, man, I deserve to have this position or be in this particular place or these things around me is completely ludicrous to saying, man, I am just thankful to have an invitation to the presence of God on a Wednesday of night. I am just thankful to come into a church atmosphere and feel the Holy Ghost of God moving inside of this place. You can begin to feel that humility that what walking humbly will begin to do. You can feel that sweeping inside of this place that, man, when we begin to dismiss what we think we are and who we are, that, man, that Spirit of God will begin to come in and say, I will take you to the place that you need to go. I will begin to lift you out of that place, those depths there, and show you who you are meant to be in Jesus' name. It's why we must walk humbly and come into the place and say, God, I am not worthy of any of this, but God, you are the one that will begin to exalt and begin to declare these things inside of my life in Jesus' name. You all know that these things are here because we are these unexpected invitees in this circumstance here. We are those that Jesus is speaking about in some of these things here. So we must ask ourselves, do we see ourselves deserving a high seat at each event that we attend Or do we realize that we are the lame, the blind, the maimed, the poor who Jesus is speaking about? Who do we want to be in this circumstance? And I think everybody in this room, I can feel such a peace here. I I think everyone here desires to say, man, God, I am not worth anything, but I come before you because you can put your spirit inside of me and make me something that I am not in Jesus' name. Years ago, if you would have said that I would be up here on this platform teaching this lesson to you, I would have said, absolutely not. I don't want any piece of it. I don't want any part of it because I just cannot speak. I cannot teach. I just am not meant for that particular circumstance. But when God began to come in and man, his Holy Ghost began to fill me up, then that's when I began to say, you know what, I think I can begin to do something for Jesus Christ and begin to do these things and people around me and my job side in these places in Jesus' name. So this brings us to a question here tonight of who do you welcome? Who do you welcome inside of your life? There's so many things here that we could speak about. But the word translated poor, it has an explained definition of cringing beggars. 
The poor of every era have experienced physical abuse. The phrase cringing beggars matches the experience of the poor. The maimed were intensely crippled. The damage to the body was the result of an accident, and such people required special care. Most needed some to carry them from one place to another. I don't just want you to think of physically people out on the street, but I want you to think of spiritually people as well. Somebody who spiritually has gotten in a car wreck and they need somebody who knows Jesus to come along and say, man, there is somebody who can mend that inside of your life and do something powerful there and you don't have to stay crippled spiritually for the rest of your life. A lame person was ambulatory but was a slow pace. The blind had often been taken advantage of of these people. A passerby could easily steal from this blind person to give them, as as they give alms, and take these things that were around them. So rather than attempting to impress those who are driven by self interest, we are to invite people who have been humiliated by life. It's counterculture to what we have lived, to what we have done, to the places that we have been. But I don't know anybody in this room that wouldn't be willing to walk up to somebody on the street and say, man, I am willing to love you as Jesus loved the church. And I am thankful for this church as a result of that. I am humbled to stand in the midst of this group here today because of that in Jesus' name, that I know you all will go out there and you will reach and you will do the right thing when God begins to ask that of you. We see Jesus emphasized that there was a long-term factor to this outside of just the dinner that would happen temporarily. That when someone invites a friend, they only gain or the only gain will be participating in a future supper. But if a man welcomes those who cannot return the favor, a reward will come. The reward will not be another social event to attend, but the greater reward is what will happen at the resurrection of the just. The reward will be eternal rather than temporal. The temporal things will begin to fleet around us, but man, there will be one day that absolutely there will be a reward for doing the things that Jesus has asked us to do. That when we walk humbly, it's not just people around us that might begin to look bad at us and that sort of stuff, and certainly that that might happen, and for this time frame, it's going to be very short. But what we can know is that, man, when we get to heaven in Jesus' name, God will begin to reward in a mighty way. We shouldn't seek that, but absolutely, if we are walking humbly, God can work through us in Jesus' name. So Micah 6 and 8, again, scripture that has been our theme for these last few times. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. What doeth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. If you remember again, this scripture comes from a time of people who thought that they had it all together, that even though they were doing good things for God, they were still going home and doing things unto idols that were not good. So Micah began to address them about what they were doing, and he began to give them these three things, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with their God. 
There were three things that would begin to take care of those issues and those matters that they were having of coming to church and doing one thing, but going home and doing something completely opposite of that. If we desire deliverance, if we desire God to do the miraculous and see things happen inside of our lives, and we're struggling with maybe a double life, one here and one at home, then these three things are things that if we begin to take steps towards and begin to work on, they will begin to to settle that sea a little bit so we're not tossed to and fro all over these different places in Jesus' name. It's the importance of Micah speaking this into a generation that was being tossed back and forth inside of those things, of doing one thing one day, but something completely opposite the next day. And so our relationships with other people are affected when we do justly. And we love mercy, as we have spoken about for so much of these lessons. No person walking humbly with God can, at the same time, walk proudly among others. And conversely, those who walk proudly among their peers are not walking humbly with God. Something that we must consider, that we must be humble before God and humble amongst our peers. That if we are humble, then absolutely God will begin to take us to the places that we need to go, put us in the areas that we need to be, and it's incredible. If you ever get the chance, I encourage you to listen to a message by Mark Brown, who is in South Dakota, but he preached at Youth Congress last year, and you can find it on YouTube. You can type in Youth Congress Mark Brown and listen to his message. It is an incredible message about exactly this, that he said, I did not desire a platform. I did not desire to be in front of people. I just did what God asked me to do, and he began to take me to the places that I needed to be to speak the things that I needed to speak at the right times. It's incredible when we begin to think about how God does all of these things. Ultimately, humble Christians do not tell stories in a way that allows anyone to see them as great, but we tell stories in ways that we say Jesus is the one that deserves the glory. Look at some people in the scripture. Paul said it this way, I knew a man in Christ when he was talking about himself. John Mark is believed to have been the young man who followed Jesus closer and then had his garment taken. The book of John mentions the disciple Jesus loved, but John never identified himself as that disciple. You see these men of God knowing where God has taken them, but not running around and saying, man, I'm the lead disciple, so it's about time that you begin to listen to me. Uh, You can see, I mean, you know, putting their certificates all around and that sort of stuff. No, these men said, God, thank you for giving this to me, and I am just going to walk humbly inside of this. I'm going to keep taking those steps. I'm going to keep reaching people. I'm going to keep doing the things that you have asked me to do, and that is what walking humbly is about. Again, not about cowering inside of the corner, but God giving uh, and rewarding, and we just giving that glory back to God in Jesus' name. It is so easy to discern the proud by the way they tell a story. It really begins to show true colors if you look at it. And so Micah's words, they also draw attention to the danger of taking ourselves too seriously. Again, I told you a story earlier about just laughing about it. Complete mix-up, mess-up, and that sort of thing. But I was willing to just laugh about it. I knew I was going to get in trouble for it. There was a guy riding with me. But I laughed about it with him inside of that circumstance. Because what else are you going to do? Uh, You're going to sit there and begin to mope and, you know, all that, that sort of stuff. You might as well just begin to say, man, I messed that one up. I don't know about you all, but just walking through life in grocery store, whatever, 
we, we do silly things sometimes, and, and there's times that I'll just have to stop, and I just start laughing at myself, and people probably think I'm crazy. But, but it's just like, man, you know, how much goofier can I truly get in some of these areas? How much of a worse decision can I make in some circumstances? I mean, you, you begin to look at that and you just turn it around and give it back to God and say, God, thank you for showing me mercy and grace. Thank you for giving me an invitation into your presence. Thank you for allowing these things to happen inside of my life. It's so powerful when we begin to do that. Great Christians, people like those Micah described, they laugh at themselves. Every humble person has this ability. Legacy names that will, unfortunately, soon lose significance, laughed at themselves, and invited others to join in. Truly, when we laugh at ourselves and get over it, it's going to disappear eventually. I mean, you might catch grief for it for a while, but it's going to disappear. People like T.W. Barnes, models inside of the church, could tell a great tale with him as the target of the joke. Nona Freeman, J.T. Pugh, C.M., and Margie Becton, Billy Cole, George Glass Sr., W.C. Parkley, and Tim Dugas told stories where they were the goat rather than the hero inside of these stories. And usually they had acted foolishly, and the story deserved a laugh. These people walked humbly with the Lord. I just recently listened to a message from Billy Cole from the 1990s, and he, every 10 minutes, just stopped to laugh at himself as he was telling this story about his missionary journeys. That he only had 10 bucks getting off the ship and he missed the ship getting back on this cruise ship. And so he had to begin to pray and think, man, I, I only have this 10 bucks. But the problem with that is that he had spent nine of it on a souvenir on the island. So he had one dollar to get to the country that God had called him to get to. His ship had left with all of their luggage on it. And here he was with his wife, and, and I believe a child at that time, trying to figure out what they were going to do to get to this country that God had called them to get to. And he just sat there and laughed at himself and laughed at what he had done inside of that circumstance there. And he turned around and, and God truly opened doors. And I don't have the whole time to get into it tonight, but truly uh, he, he wasn't supposed to get through customs. He didn't have a passport with a stamp. And God just opened these doors. There was this, um, this person they called an invisible man. And this was the only one that could authorize them to leave one country and get into the, the other country at that particular time. And so when they walked up to get their passport stamp, the, the, the person said, you, you're not getting through. You will not find this person. So you might as well just give up. Well, it just so happened that they had met this invisible man a few days later when they were out speaking about and preaching about Jesus' name. And this invisible man happened to bump into them in that airport and was able to stamp their passports, get them on a plane, which was able to take credit. They, they, the plane said, you can pay us when you get there. They flew to the country, got into the country that they were supposed to be, and God worked through it. I mean, just incredible stuff. You can see how, man, when we are willing to say that sometimes we are foolish in what we do, but God has a way. He knows how it will work. He will open the doors that are meant to be open. He will set some up and take some down. He will move you forward if you are meant to be moved forward or move, uh, you'll have to be humiliated if you sat too far forward at the beginning there. It's incredible when you think about what God wants to do. But those who are pride, they hide their foolishness carefully. 
to, to be so humble as to tell of one's folly might discredit a carefully crafted public persona. And people, proud people, become tense when someone learns of a mistake that they have made. And at times, they may attempt to defend the indefensible. Those who are not humble can be highly offended when they learn someone laughed at their folly. Walking humbly with the Lord and sitting Yes, there we go. All right, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, so I'll say that last sentence again for the live stream. But walking humbly with the Lord and sitting proudly alongside him are easily distinguished inside of these circumstances. So we, as apostolics, as Christians, we are meant to walk humbly. And just remember that that invitation that Jesus gave to you wasn't because you were some high, important person. That's not why Jesus brought you into the church. And if that's your thought, I'm sorry to deflate the bubble tonight. I don't think anybody here thinks that. There are some that have, and unfortunately, it's a hard, hard fall when you become humiliated inside of those things that are there. I'm going to finish with this paragraph tonight, and then Pastor Carnan, if you have anything, I'll let you speak and uh, all that and, uh, in Jesus' name. But it says this, that the late J.T. Pugh told of a leader whose goal was to improve those who served with him. His purpose was to make each meeting he organized result in each participant going home a better person, spouse, pastor, and parent. In telling of the story, J.T. Pugh did not name this leader. Instead, the leader was a shadow figure. Unbeknownst to Brother Pugh, a man who worked with him had told others the same story. Except this man said, as Brother Pugh led the home missions division of the UPC, he had a goal for each board meeting. He wanted each member to return home a better person, spouse, leader, pastor, and parent. Such behavior exemplifies walking humbly with the Lord. J.T. Pugh did not make himself the hero. He was humble with God and man. Do you sit proudly alongside the Lord Jesus Christ, celebrating what you have done on his behalf? Or do you detract credit to be sure all the honor flows to him? Braggarts, those who sit proudly, forget who gives talents, opportunities, and resources. Without God's provision, we have nothing about which to brag. Those who walk humbly with the Lord are also humble among others. The final great lesson is this. The church's greatest opportunity, as well as responsibility, is to reach those who are undervalued by society. In Jesus' name. Yes, do you have anything, Pastor? Well, I, a couple yes. of things that we can take from this. First of all, humility is not easy sometimes. But the Bible gives us a mandate, and that mandate is the best way you could do it, and I can do it, is to do it yourself. The Bible says humble yourself. That's what Jesus did. And so this is, this is one area that we can begin to practice. We can begin to, on a daily basis, say, God, help me to really um, put some true humility in my life. I think there's a couple of ways that you can do that. One is prefer others. Just simply prefer others and make that a practice, you know. The second way is when Jesus knew there needed to be a lesson taught, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't put the people down that were doing it wrong. He used a strong illustration, and that illustration was the greatest among you will be a servant. 
And if you want true humility, and I do, and I hope that you do too, I think we can receive that or we can gain that by becoming a servant. These are two things that I believe that God can put into our lives on a daily basis that can help us to humble ourselves. Because I'll guarantee you, and I've observed it in my own life, um, humility comes a lot harder when somebody else does it to me. And so I'm not saying that'll ever be extinguished, but I, I'm, I'm in a, a the, the mind frame that I'm going to do some, I'm going to do a lot of that myself, so that it'll be a little bit easier for me to swallow. So we can consider those things. Yes. Amen. Great wisdom. Yes. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. If you all can stand tonight, let's close this out with prayer. And I just believe I, I know God has done some things. If you're like me, He's working in our lives every day things to work on, things that we can take steps towards, and I believe that in Jesus' name. So let's just lift our hands and pray unto God. Lord, we are so thankful for this word, these lessons that you have spoken to us. God, we desire to walk humbly, Jesus, to do justly and to love mercy in your kingdom, Jesus. Help every one of us, Lord, to take those steps that we need to take, God, to go to those places that we need to go, to reach the lame, the maimed, those things are around us, God. Please forgive us if we have thought of ourselves more highly than we ought to. And Jesus, I believe that you will encourage us this week, Jesus, to humble ourselves, Lord. I believe for every one of these people that you will work and reveal, God, and show anything, Lord, that may be taking place where it needs to go, Jesus. I believe these things, God. I thank you for what you have done and what you have poured into every life and every household and every person on the live stream tonight. Jesus, we believe that you can take us, God, to new heights, but it is only through you and through your will and through your ways in Jesus' name. God, we thank you again for giving us that invitation to your dinner, Jesus, to your place, God. And we believe you for what you will continue to do in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.